2: Hey everyone, it's Kirsty from the Art of Decluttering here. This week we are replaying the episode with the incredible Claire Press from the Wardrobe Crisis as Amy and I are taking a break for the school holidays. We hope you enjoy it and then go follow Claire's amazing work. Well, today I am super, super excited because Amy's not here. <laughs> Cruel. I am cruel. No, no, no. Amy is not here because she's here in spirit. She's here in our minds. And she's here on my phone. She's buzzing me and messaging me as we speak. But Amy is not here because I am recording with the lovely and beautiful Claire Press from More Joke Crisis and a billion other things that we'll get into in a minute. Um, But Amy couldn't be here. So this is my chance to do a solo interview. Claire is my beautiful friend and it's going to be a wonderful interview. So. As you know, we are a podcast about decluttering, Claire, and listeners, Um, and decluttering is a topic that is so broad and covers every facet of our lives, and we, Amy and I, are really passionate about helping to clear the clutter in our heads, hearts, and homes, We are also lifelong learners and we love growing in our knowledge of all the things and we want to share them with you, our listeners, as we learn them. And we know that our listeners, we know lots about you and we know that we have the depth and breadth of listeners Um, on our podcast listening to us. People who are minimalists through to compulsive online shoppers. People who don't really care about what they wear through to people who are complete fashionistas, not me. (laughs) People who are deeply passionate about our planet and climate change through to people who are just starting out on their journey today. So I wanted our conversation to be full of gold nuggets for everybody, no matter where they are on any of those spectrums. So I'm going to do a brief introduction to Claire and then I'm going to let her take the reins and tell us more about her. But Claire Press, in case you haven't heard of this extraordinary woman, she is a woman of very, very many talents.
3: Oh, God, come on.
2: You are. I can't take it. You're amazing. I'm getting nervous.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> she is a fashion journalist and editor of big fashion magazines. And she's been able to interview the likes of Beyoncé, Kim Kardashian, Catherine Hammett and Pharrell, and many more accolades in the fashion industry. And now she is switching her focus to being passionate, a passionate advocate for the circular economy and sustainable and ethical fashion. Claire has written multiple books on the subject and has one of my very, very, very favourite podcasts, The Wardrobe Crisis. I've told you all about it on our Facebook page, but if you haven't listened to it, you will definitely be binging on it after this episode of ours. Um, She gets to chat to the most fascinating people who are equally passionate about our planet, climate change and the role that fashion plays in our everyday lives. So, welcome Claire to The Art of Decluttering and thank you for being here.
3: Oh my goodness, thank you for having me. I was getting embarrassed, I was like, listen to that list of stuff I've supposedly done. Um, I'm so grateful to have this conversation with you. We're in my house, thank you for making the trip to come and visit me at home. I have to say I was coming a bit of a freak out because I was like, I'm quite cluttered. (laughs) We might describe what's around us in a minute, but... um, Who am I and what do I do? I'm Vogue's sustainability editor, which is a new role that was created about two years ago. So what I do is I look at fashion and the whole industry, design, shopping, trends, how we access and how we make our clothes, but through the lens of sustainability. And what that means for me is people and planet. And when we talk about that, it's about basically exactly what it says, the people who are overwhelmingly women who make our clothes and the impacts that the manufacture of our clothes can have on the environment. I wrote this book called Wardrobe Crisis, which is where I learned about a lot of this stuff. And now I'm basically obsessed with how we can be less wasteful, how we can be more responsible and how we can still enjoy clothes, but in a way that is just more gentle on our planet, I suppose I would say. And if listeners are thinking, well, hang on a minute, I'm not really into clothes, so this one's not for me. I would just remind you that unless you're a nudist, if you wear clothes, whatever they may be, uniforms, menswear, kids' clothes, high fashion, fast fashion, slow fashion, whatever it is, it's still part of the fashion system. These are still clothes that are made and overwhelmingly they're made to be thrown away. We're going to get into that.
2: Yes, we are. We are going to try and delve into as much as we can into our amazing knowledge you like I was listening to your podcast yesterday and I'm just like continue to be blown away by what an uh, amazing journalist you are and the the depths that you go to with the people that you interview and
3: How much you must have learned over the last couple of years of doing this podcast. It is all about learning. So, I've been a journalist for 20 years. I started out working in fashion magazines. Actually, I started out at Rolling Stone, but just very briefly interviewing rock stars. It was good. Um, But then I've spent nearly 20 years working in fashion magazines. But as a journalist, and when you're a writer, your job is to go out there and research things and find out stuff you don't know and talk to people who know more than you. So, I've always done that. But in sustainability, That's been a massive learning curve. When I started writing about this area, which was about six years ago, I didn't know anything about it. I could not have told you the first thing about the water footprint of a pair of jeans or what the carbon footprint is of how we make our clothes. Any of that stuff I didn't know. So for me it's been a massive learning curve and it's very, very interesting. I mean, that's what drives me. I I think the more you learn about how we make things and how we are directly related to the supply chains behind this stuff i think that how can you not be interested i mean i I always think it's so interesting to figure out like where we fit in the world and how everything's connected and when i say that unless you're a nudist you wear clothes why do we think they just spring by magic into our shops of course they don't someone has to make them and that process has impacts and once you start finding out that irresponsibly made fashion might be trashing the planet why would you not want to then make better choices i mean i think it's just a big journey i hate that word the journey but you know it's just been a big learning curve for me and it's changed the way that i i live my life and for
2: me personally i'm really passionate social in social justice and now becoming more passionate about environmental justice mm. and so i feel like i have been on this journey for a few few years because I'm really passionate about social justice so for me my into ethical and sustainability was through the
3: people when you came in I said what a gorgeous dress you're wearing this amazing beautiful printed green and white dress kind of floaty and gorgeous and I was like I want one of those and then you said fair trade yes now, that isn't something that we would often say when given a compliment about our clothes, but isn't it amazing that you can say that? Oh, And, and you I, know, fair trade means that the people who've made it have been treated with dignity, paid a fair wage, um, been able to have fair working conditions that are free from discrimination, all those things. And actually, I think it comes out in the dress. So I'd rather, I think it makes the dress more beautiful.
2: And I get compliments on this dress every time I wear it. And I love wearing it because it gives me an... Oh, it's, I always get compliments so I always turn around and say it's made by stitch they're ethical like they're a fair trade clothing
3: company you need to go and check them out because it's it's the story it's the story I wonder if listeners know about Rana Plaza so that was one of the catalyst moments for me to start thinking about ethical fashion if we can use that phrase Um, in April of 2013 the Rana Plaza Garment Factory Complex, which is in Bangladesh, just outside of Dhaka, it collapsed. So it showed all these cracks the day before. It was completely unsafe and obviously going to fall down. But all these workers were ordered back into the factories in order to hurry through the orders that big clothing companies were waiting on in the global north. Right? What happened? The buildings fell down and they killed 1, 000, more than 1,138 people. I mean, think about that. Hideous. And, I mean, the numbers just get worse. So something like more than 2,500 people were injured and an estimated 800 kids were orphaned. And these were people sewing our clothes. So if you want to think about ethical fashion and why it matters to us, I think that's a pretty good wake-up call, isn't it? Now, I'm not suggesting that everything that we buy in our shops is made unethically and could cause death, but I do think that... It's a very real situation that most of the – and they are mostly women who make our clothes, most of the women who make our clothes globally aren't paid a living wage and they're not treated in the most ethical of circumstances. And
2: I think as the privileged people that we are, that we are even listening to a podcast, which means that we have money to have a phone or to have Mm. a computer. Like we are the richest of the rich in the world comparatively absolutely that we need to take our responsibility as those citizens seriously and we have the finances to impact the poorest of the poor and and every single one of our choices whether it be food or clothing or housing or electricity or like every single one of our choices has an impact on our fellow human beings whether they're our fellow Australians our fellow British or our fellow
3: Bangladeshi neighbours it's interesting that you brought up having money because I think that's also something that maybe listeners who start hearing for the first time those phrases ethical and sustainable fashion or god help us vogue you know they're like well come on that's not relevant to me I haven't got loads of cash to splash around making these kind of privileged choices but I just do want to remind people that actually it doesn't have to cost loads more Someone always pays the true cost if things are too cheap. So I think we need to educate people to get out of this mindset that you should be able to buy a piece of clothing for the cost of your lunch, because that's not right. We shouldn't be doing mm. that. But it shouldn't have to be, you know, hideously expensive or prohibitively expensive. You can make more sustainable choices without, you know, having very deep pockets. And I think that's something I wish people knew more about.
2: Yeah, well, this beautiful dress that I get complimented on. I think it was less than $50. There you go. Should we talk about our outfits? I, yes, people I was just no, I know. I was just about to say, let's switch to wardrobe crisis mode. And <laughs> when you listen to Claire's podcast, she asks every single guest what they're wearing. So,
3: Claire, what are you wearing today? Actually, I should have thought more carefully getting dressed to meet you about what I would describe in this podcast. But it's all right. I'm doing okay. I'm wearing an op-shopped thrifted men's shirt that I bought from Vinny's which was about $8 it's really nice, cotton lovely, blue and white stripes I'm wearing some thrifted jeans which also came from maybe Salvos or Vinny's can't mm. remember, 20 bucks. always buy my jeans from op shops you can get incredible jeans honestly, big designer names and they cost nothing, If the, the other day I was in Vinny's there's a whole rack of really great denim and it was all $20, Levi's 501's, I don't know true religion citizens of humanity all these labels and they were twenty dollars so if you can find your size and be bothered to try them all on you can definitely get some pearls there and i'm wearing these sneakers they're by this brand called no saints and they're made from pineapple leather we're actually not allowed to say leather it's not leather vegan leather alternative derived from the waste leaves of the pineapple plant get out get out (laughs) Get in, get into the (laughs) no-saints. Shouldn't be plugging brands. But I I do think it's quite lovely to find these independent labels that are using these new materials that are, like I said before, just living more lightly on the planet. So the pineapple fibre, it's called pinatex it's made from waste so if you think pineapples are grown for the food and the juice industry what happens to the leaves so this company repurposes those leaves to make them into cellulosic content for a viscose process if you like but that basically means you can make material out of anything that's fibrous so why not use the leaves of the pineapple plant or i was reading the other day about the leaves of banana banana plants being being used in viscose too so awesome. Mm. You and my
2: beautiful friend Becca who came with me today who actually got me onto your podcast and is a super fan of yours and you both have those shoes and I, did, I had no idea. You guys were off talking about it and I was just sitting here going, I am clearly not a fashionista because I have no idea what you guys Nonsense. are talking about. So thank you for educating <laughs> me
3: on, is it Pinnifex? Pinnatex. Pinnatex. That's the brand name for the, for the leather alternative. Awesome. But I started talking about thrifted. So I wear loads of really great clothes that I get from op shops. And that to me is a really easy in on how we can be more sustainable in our clothing choices and reduce fashion waste and join the circular economy. Anyone can do it. You can buy anything secondhand. I mean, it always blows my mind. I sort of do it as a kind of, I do it to prove a point to say you can find these extraordinary labels or wonderful quality things and you can find them secondhand for really quite small amounts of money. Thank you, because I was literally listening to your podcast the other
2: day, and I have lost a whole lot of weight this year, so I need to update my wardrobe mm. when and if when the season changes and where season has definitely changed here in Sydney in the last couple of weeks. And so I was like, oh, I start, I need to start thinking about getting some some summer clothes, and I wanted to go to my local shopping centre. But I've been listening to your podcast, and I was like, "No, I need to make a trip to a Vinnies, and we've got a great one close to home." But also, I found coming
3: into the richer suburbs—oh my goodness, that's my that's my big tip: like yeah. just just drive somewhere posh and find Vinnies. Yes, yes. we're in Sydney now recording this. I live in, in the city. But if you go to Mossman, which is north and everyone's rich, Vinnie's there has things you would not believe. I cannot tell you. Yeah. I mean, seriously. I once bought the most beautiful ballet flats you've ever seen and they were like brand new. I feel like people buy things, wear them once or just think, mm, maybe not, don't wear them at all. Exactly. And then pass them on. But because you're only talking about what do we do when, for example, our bodies change or our tastes change and we want to refresh our wardrobes, how do we do that sustainably? There's two things we need to think about. So, One is, what are we going to do with the stuff that we no longer need? (laughs) The stats around how much clothing is wasted within the wardrobe, if you like. So how many clothes are like lurking in the back of your closet, never worn. Are Really crazy, it's something like at least 40%, I think, of a woman's wardrobe on average in Australia is unworn. So you've got all this stuff, it's all hanging in your closet, but you're not wearing it. That's waste, it's also clutter. But what do you do with it if you do want to pass it on? Because... Obviously, if it's good quality stuff and you might be able to make money from it, then perhaps you can on-sell it, and that's an obvious fix. But what if those things are past their prime, or you don't think that you can find a good home for them? I think there's a temptation to throw some things in the bin, and we should really try not to do that. Or you just get overwhelmed, and you I don't know you leave it behind the door in a bag. Probably that's so. Are you of thing speaking I'm from
2: experience? <laughs> do you want to share with everybody your opening scene to your book, Wardrobe Crisis? Oh my goodness. Can you? Yeah. Uh, so it's public information it is, now.
3: <laughs> it's is that, It sounds like a literary device when you read this, but it's really the truth, embarrassingly. So the book called Wardrobe Crisis um, is subtitled How We Went from Sunday Best to Fast Fashion, and the idea of the title is a kind of play on our collective wardrobe crisis. So this concept of us all drowning in clothes and being disconnected with the origins of what we wear. But actually it was a literal reference to what happened to me With my wardrobe. Um, (laughs) So in around whenever I started writing this book, 2014, my wardrobe snapped clean in two. I mean, the rail. Yes. And I didn't know because there was so many clothes shoved in there that they were holding themselves up by themselves. And you are not unique. No idea. Amy and I have been into many closets that look
2: like that and have had... I was in a client's closet last week and it was exactly that. They had... Not from too much, well, it was too much weight for that particular rail, but it wasn't quite looking like
3: your wardrobe. But it's embarrassing. I mean, my wardrobe looks like a tip. And I think it is embarrassing to admit that you can have so much stuff that you don't even realise either that you're not wearing 40% of it, for example, or that actually it can break and you don't know. Come on. Embarrassing. So I tried to reform and I am better, but I still have way too much stuff because my natural mentalities maximalism I like stuff however coming back to (laughs) deflecting from my embarrassment coming back to what I was saying about what you do when you do want to have a wardrobe refresh whether it's because you got way too much stuff or as we were saying before your taste change or your body changes or you just want new things how do you do that sustainably
2: so as I said I absolutely love your podcast and I don't think I've quite listened to all of them but it's definitely on my to do list. My beautiful friend Becca here has, because <laughs> she's amazing. Um, but you have been investigating lots of dark sides of our fashion industry, um, and I just wanted to know what was the what shocked you the most, and then what has given you the most hope.
3: In January, I talked at Berlin Fashion Week about fashion and water. They asked me to talk about that topic. It was the theme of this event, and. I hadn't really looked into the water footprint of how we make our clothes. I'd heard the familiar stats, and maybe people have heard them, that it can take up to 2,700 litres of water to make a single cotton T-shirt, which is demented. But I didn't really know what that looked like. I didn't understand. You can say those numbers, 2,700. Sounds a lot, but what's it mean? Yeah. And I did some research to give this speech, and I found out that the, world, the earth is covered in something like 70% of water but only 3% of that is fresh water. Now we've still got that same amount of water, it just keeps circulating, it rains, it evaporates, it's in existence. But we're polluting more of it, and there are more of us who are needing it as a resource. So water stress is in our future, right? So I actually made some notes because I'm not going to remember it. But by 2025, an estimated two-thirds of the world's population will live in water-stressed regions, And they reckon, the UN reckons, that demand is projected to increase by 55% by 2050, right? So you've got all this pressure on the world's freshwater resources. And we're using loads of that water to make clothes, which seems a bit crazy. Now, if you drink two and a half litres of water a day, which is quite a lot. I don't think I drink that much. But if you do, then that T-shirt accounts for three years worth of your drinking water. See that...
2: That makes more sense to me in like like 2,700. Like I go, what? I have to drink Mm -hmm. that much water every day, which I struggle with. And then I have to do it for how many years? Three years. Three years. So
3: to me, I share those stats and I've made Instagram tiles with them showing you, uh, you know, a graphic of a T-shirt saying up to 2,700 liters of water could have been used to make this T-shirt. And that's like from the the seed to the garment. So if you're growing the cotton all the way through to actually making the T-shirt and dyeing it and all the rest of it. what does it mean but when you think it could mean three years worth of drinking water for a human that's when it puts it in perspective and then the other one is around jeans so we say up to and when i say up to it's important to remember that because there are lower water processes that can be used to make some of this stuff right but up to ten thousand liters for a pair of jeans so when we're talking about op shops being full of denim that nobody wants it only costs 20 bucks think about that like this is drinking water or this is using water that could be used to produce food or to be drunk so I think that's one of the most shocking things I found out about how our clothes gobble up our resources but there's other stuff around waste I mean I'm constantly surprised by the amount of waste that we generate in fashion and we started off talking about or I started off saying that fashion is increasingly viewed of viewed as disposable it's like these things were never meant to be turfed out after a few wears. We're using all these resources and then we're throwing clothes away really quickly. So another stat, if you want to be dazzled by stats. So since 2000, we've doubled clothing production globally. We haven't got twice as many people. No. So that's absolutely crazy that we're making twice as many garments. And what are we doing with them? I mean, we talked about them languishing in wardrobes, unworn, but we're also throwing them away like amazingly, uh, in amazing numbers and, and way more quickly than we used to. So... My final bit of stats stuff is that just as clothing production has doubled, clothing usability, so the amount of wear that we get out of our clothes is going down. So more clothes thrown out more quickly. And that is a perfect storm of unsustainable rubbish and we need to stop it. Yeah. Yeah. And just getting back to the water, I was listening to Osha's podcast. Ooh, that's good, isn't it? Yeah. yeah.
2: And he had um, Ellen Brokovich was on his podcast and she's really passionate about water use. And I always think, yes, I definitely care about people in Bangladesh and people in the poorest. The poorest of the poor is have my heart. But it's not just the poorest of the poor. This is Australians are in a water crisis, and here in Sydney we're in water reductions. But it's there's towns in Australia who do not even have fresh water for drinking, and no, and not fresh water. They're digging
3: boreholes to get, and that's not fresh water. They're trucking in water by tanks. And, then- and I, when I read the stuff that's happening right now in our country. I mean, this is not the climate change future. This is the climate change present. Yes. We've been in drought in some parts of New South Wales for more than seven years. There are places, there are communities right now where they turn on the taps and there's no water. Yes. I mean, this is frightening. And And so I do think we need to then, obviously, we can't solve macro, global, political issues by deciding which pair of jeans to wear. I get that. But I think that we all need to be more mindful of our precious finite resources and we need to take personal responsibility for being less wasteful. You know, I mean, yes. that sounds a bit yes. kind of... I, when I say that stuff, I always feel like am not trying to give you a lecture. But I, I do think it helps to be reminded of the connections between our behaviour and the impacts that, that that has on the environment and on other people. And I think that we... I do think that fashion can be a really good tool for getting us to think about some of this stuff. Because we were talking before we press record about how who's got time to read a load of environmental reports by scientists, realistically. And yet fashion can be quite a good conversation starter around some of this stuff and get us to, I guess, take small steps and start thinking um, on a personal level about some of the changes we can make in our lives.
2: Yeah, and that's... (laughs) That's why I am so passionate about this topic, because Mm. we do wear clothes every day. And just listeners, if you can hear some banging in the background, we just want to apologise that, because we have gone out to Claire's neighbour and asked him to stop, but he's on his own deadline and chooses to... He wasn't up for it. ...didn't want to change his... (laughs) This is what you get for recording at someone's house in the city. But you do get to see my crazy clutter. But, uh, and oh my goodness, (laughs) this house is so incredibly beautiful. If that is Claire fine. would let me, yeah. I would take photos for you all to see, but she's not going to let me because no. it is <laughs> just a spectacular house that I said as soon as I walked in that I'm moving in. It's beautiful. I'd like you to move in and declutter, seriously. Yeah. I've got clutter issues. <laughs> so I am pa- back onto the topic. I am really passionate about the small changes that we can yep. make. We've had um, Tanya Goranidis from Women Against Waste on our podcast and she's brilliant and her movement is gonna change the world.
3: Did we meet her at the yes. IOPO yes. conference? So yes, we did. Kirsty and I and Amy met in Melbourne at this conference for the Institute of Professional Organizers where I was giving a keynote and I was freaked out about doing that because I was like, actually, I need to learn from everyone in this room, not vice versa, because I am such a cluttered person. But I loved go I loved being there because I met all these amazing people. I met you and I met Tanya. Tanya. And what she's doing is going out into communities and just educating people on how can we make these small changes to live more sustainably. And she's a powerhouse, right? Yes. And I also love that it's women, women
2: changing the world. Exactly. And that we had her on the podcast and it's one of our favourite podcasts that we've done and it is really popular in our community too. And she is
3: really passionate about just making small changes. It doesn't have to be perfect. She's probably a really good one to remind us that it's often women making the purchasing decisions, isn't it, in a household. So there's actually so much power in those choices that you make at the counter, whether it's in the supermarket or whether it's buying clothes or wherever it is, because actually – just shifting some of those decisions can actually shift big companies because they only make what we buy mm-hmm. i think that's something it's good to remember when we look at all the i mean let's talk about plastic it's not clothes although they're all related plastic's still a big problem in packaging in the clothing industry but when you look at shelves full of unsustainable non-biodegradable fossil fuel derived plastic you start thinking It's just a C. How can we ever stop it? Like, how can we change it? Because it's everywhere. But if we stopped buying it, companies would stop using it. And that is a fact. I mean, they are kind of beholden to us. We almost control them. I think it's good to sort of look at it that way. Because their thriving depends on us supporting them and giving them our cash. And we all have a voice, so we
2: can all write to our favorite brand, whether it be ethical or not, and say, hey, I am really passionate about ethical and sustainable clothing and why did you rate so badly on you know for instance the ethical fashion guide that's done by baptist world aid like why i why did you get an f i want to see you at the top because i want to still buy from you like we all have a voice
3: if we do that i can guarantee you that marketing departments have to answer so if you if you email a brand that you like or that you're used to shopping with and you ask them to get back to you on some of this stuff, they actually have to do something about it. It might feel like no one cares, but I promise you, if they get enough of these emails or approaches from customers who are saying, hang on, we lo- we like what you do, but we don't like this part or have you considered this or could you answer us on this? They actually have to have a meeting about it and in the end they have to do something. It reminded me of um, this great person I know in Melbourne, a friend called Erin Rhodes from the Rogue Ginger. She's a zero waste warrior and you're nodding. Do you love her? She's great. I've got her book over there. So she's she's pretty extreme because she lives this extremely vigilant zero waste life. Like She literally makes her own face powder out of tapioca flour. Like, she doesn't want anything in a, in a single-use packet at all. But she told me this thing she does, that if she ever does buy something that comes in some unsustainable plastic, she posts it back to the supplier. <laughs> well, so she's like, I bought you biscuits, loved them, hate the packet. Could you please recycle it? Here it is.
0: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
1: This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.
2: On your podcast a couple of weeks ago, you interviewed Mary
3: How do you say her last Uh, name? Mary Cray. She's a British MP. Yes. I interviewed her for a specific reason because she's the chair of this thing called the Environmental Audit Committee, which is a select committee of the House of Commons in the UK. long-winded way of saying these guys are cross-party, so it's not any one party, and they look into big environmental issues affecting Britain and elsewhere. But they did this report called Fixing Fashion, and it was the first time a parliamentary I shouldn't say government because she reminded me I was like it's so cool the government's looking into this it's not not the the government government." it's an audit committee (laughs) exactly so the first time a parliamentary committee had looked into fashion and it was amazing because it made headlines all around the world and even though it was about Britain it made waves globally so yeah I wanted to pin her down and I made her talk to me which was quite fantastic
2: And I love that. I love nearly every single one of your interviews because I'm. I
3: paid you to say this. Nah. No,
2: I love. I love learning, and I love the people that you discover and interview. No, thanks, mate. Awesome podcast. In case anybody's wondering how much I love it. What I loved about their recommendations, and I wish that our government would take on board, is actually getting the fashion retailers to take responsibility because this is one of their recommendations was to get fashion retailers to take responsibility for the waste that they create and rewarding companies that take positive action to reduce waste. And I was like, imagine if we did do that wholesale, Mm -hmm. if we sent back the packaging. If we sent back the clothes to the company, and it wasn't Vinny's responsibility mm-hmm. to chuck out the rags, like I'm all Absolutely. for Vinnies and Salvos and charity shops to be making money from you and I when we go into and we buy those jeans and those, those shirts and everything, but they wear, they use so much of their resources getting rid of stuff that is unusable. so imagine if we could send it back to and not just hate you know not just token ones like no. H and m and sheridan are taking back there i went
3: in there the other day they've got that take back program i was so yeah. delighted yeah yeah um the... but if every company was made to take back their stuff so in the british example the fixing fashion report recommended that one pence was a tax on every garment sold and that would go back onto the Producer and the brand, and they would then use that money to fund research into and practical implementation of recycling programs, right? But the government rejected all these suggestions. However, it's a really good idea. Like, why not? Why Um, not? I think at the moment, the big problem is that the onus is on the consumer to be the one that takes responsibility. So if you are having a clean out, you've got to find ways to sustainably deal with your in inverted commas waste or textile waste there's no curbside textile recycling for example you can't have a textile bin that gets collected by the government god i mean we can't even obviously we're in a recycling crisis we can't even do a recycling yeah yeah so i don't think it's realistic to think we're going to have curbside collections anytime soon at the moment it's up to us we have to be creative spend time and energy and sometimes fail anyway because then the solutions aren't there but looking for you know what can we do with this pile of old socks what can we do with these old towels what can we do with these damaged dresses that I I don't know how to mend so at the moment we're in a, a difficult situation I think because the pressure's all on us what we need is for regulation to come in that makes brands take responsibility and when you're saying before like we want we want op shops to be able to profit in order to fund their good works from our unwanted garments that's great but we don't want to be using them as unofficial rubbish dumps and actually i was once told by Salvos that they have three million dollars a year in tip fees because people chuck all that stuff on their doorstep which is basically rubbish Yep. and i'm a witness to that oh do you see it all split you know when you drive past those things and you think actually i was gonna say, once i was in adelaide at a festival and across the park i could see a vinnies and I was like I'm going there I've got time to feed my op shop addiction and I charged across the park and it was a Sunday and as I was doing so there was this woman in a posh car pulling up and I watched her get her stuff out to dump and it was a stained doona and she was shoving it in the try and shove it in the collection box and I went and gave her what for good on you I said do you really think anyone's going to be able to sell that it's horrible she went oh sorry but I think this is but it's because she has no other solution I was about to say she didn't know what to do it didn't fit in the bin she thought she was doing the right thing but she sort of knew she wasn't but what do we do
2: yeah and we have loads of people in our community who do the decluttering and then get stuck because there is no solution to all of this and there's no no yes h&m take our rags and they take our undies and they and the socks and sheridan will take back our sheets and dunas and and pillows
3: and pillowcases But we then have to find the resources and the time to go and find those to get ourselves to those collection bins yeah and also what happens when there is no bin for the doona i mean
2: yeah yeah and we need to take responsibility for our purchases like we can't rely on the government look at our government at the moment they are who they are and it doesn't matter. Either either party is who they are and they're not, there's not enough people power backing them and pushing them into this.
3: Well, you know what though, I think that let's, I'm not normally the one who's trying to give cut the government some slack but I think we should be realistic about um, the complexity of this. Yes. It's not that easy to put these systems into place. So when we talk about the circular economy where we want to keep resources in the loop, keep them out of landfill and have them reused over and over, there's so many different players that have to, come together to make it work and i think we can we can aim towards that in the future but it's not realistic to expect i don't think governments are going to be able to do anything about it right now so i think what do we do then what do we Mm. as consumers and individuals and citizens i like that word what do we do to try to combat this crazy situation of waste i don't think i said to you how much we waste yet right do you know how much clothes we waste The equivalent of one garbage truckload of textiles enters landfill globally every guess millisecond. Second. <laughs> people usually over. People usually go minute. No. <laughs> Have I mentioned I listen to your podcast? Okay, fine. <laughs> um, but that's still that's still bonkers. Like, imagine just a massive truckload of stuff going into landfill or being incinerated every second. It's just monstrous. So, what do we do? And what about, about that? personally? So, personally, Australians per capita use 27 kilos of, or buy, sorry, 27 mm. kilos of textiles and clothing a year.
2: And how much do we let go of every year? I bet you know this.
3: I do, but please tell us. It is. I only know it because of you. <laughs> it's 23. Now, those stats are from 2005, I think, or even 1995, I've actually forgotten. Anyway, they're not new. So we can so imagine it's that it's got worse. Even more. Yeah. What we do know is, according to those stats, we are about equivalent to the UK and North America in how, how much we consume and how much we turf out. Now, all right, what are we going to do about it? So if the government isn't doing anything about it right now, if a few brands are trying to innovate, but it's, an, it's not enough for us to have changed the system, what are we going to do? And then I think that's when it comes back to taking back your personal responsibility or personal power and just changing your own behaviour. That doesn't mean that that's the only way to solve this in a big picture way, but right now I think it's a place to start. So a lot of the work that I do is around trying to say to people, how can we reconnect with how we buy our clothes and how what our clothes mean, actually, how they've been made and how what their impacts are? How can we remind ourselves of their value How can we keep in mind all of the things that have gone into making them from the woman sewing at the machine, probably not being paid a living wage somewhere on the other side of the world to the resources that have been used to make the cotton or make the polyester or whatever it may be to how much we pay for it and what it could mean. Like how do we reconnect with all that and then also combat fashion waste? And to me, it's about buying less and buying carefully doesn't mean you can't enjoy clothes or fashion or you have to feel guilty it doesn't mean any of that but it's just about to think is that actually this is not really my theory this is someone i interviewed for the podcast called bandana tuari but she she talks about mindfulness and actually think about yoga <laughs> we talked about yoga before but um what if we were more mindful about all of our purchasing decisions and if that gave us sustenance and made us feel good and also had an impact on how much we wasted i don't think it's impossible we do that with food a lot more oh totally
2: and that i mean that is our heart for our listeners is to be more conscious consumers because if you are more conscious about what you bring in then you don't have to declutter as much
3: because it's all all related right yes and it's the same as throwing away hoarding is sort of the other side of it but it's like you you get stuff you don't care about it you haven't thought about it you bought it on a whim didn't cost very much you don't care about it you don't want it anymore you either waste it in your house which becomes piles of junk you don't want becomes landfill or, just in your home yeah right oh god <laughs> <laughs> sorry i put it in that field in like my house is that or we actually just put it in the bin and expect someone to deal with it. All of these problems, I think if we just drilled back to that idea of conscious consumerism and mindfulness and reconnection, we could actually solve quite a lot of this. Like, why do you need to buy 10 things that you don't really care about on a Saturday or even five things, whatever it is? You know, what what's, what's spurring that behaviour? We talk about that in our clothing
2: episodes and we talk about, like, do you what emotions are going on for you when you go shopping? Like, do you go out and do a binge shop when you've just had a fight with your partner? Mm. Like, is that, are you making the wisest choices when you're in that mood? Or are you really lonely and that's why you're shopping online at night and being really thoughtful around what is motivating you to do that shopping? Because there's we don't want, I mean, if everybody went nudist, that would be awesome because everybody would be. and there would judgment would cease because everybody's doing that. That's never going to happen. So we're
3: all, and clothes wear out, even if you do keep them for 50 years. But I think it's interesting you talk about, like, what's the driver of buying stuff that we don't really want or need? Hmm. And I think it's like that sugar rush, isn't it? You think, oh, this is going to make me feel better if it doesn't last very long. No. Now, that's not to say for me, because I still love clothes and I love fashion and I work in fashion. It's not to say that you can't have... You can't enjoy buying really lovely things that you care about and enjoy collecting them. And, yeah, I think to ask ourselves what is driving us to buy stuff is a good place to start. And if you are shopping because you've thought carefully about what you would like to add to your life, then that's kind of a good way to be mindful about getting things that you're going to treasure and hold on to and value. But if you're shopping because you're just bored in your lunch break or because you feel bad or because
2: um, maybe you're insecure, well,
3: (laughs) I mean, I've done all those things probably, but I still think, I still think. I I mean, I've certainly, I I don't do that anymore, but I have bought on a whim before. Why don't you do that anymore? So I understand the impacts of my buying decisions now in a way that I didn't used to, but I've certainly gone out um you know 10 years ago in my lunch break and just bought some silly thing from a cheap shop because i saw a similar thing in a picture from a runway you know absolutely but i don't do that anymore because i've i've changed the way that i approach the whole thing and you know what i prefer how i look i I have a better time now i prefer knowing that the things that I have bought are meaningful and haven't trashed the planet than not knowing anything about it and just getting all the stuff. And as I told you, my wardrobe broke before, so obviously it wasn't very connected in the past.
2: So how do you stay true to your newfound values or you know, evolving values when you live in this industry that is hyper-consumer orientated?
3: Honestly, it's not hard. The more you learn and the more that you know, the more it becomes second nature And I don't work at it anymore. Perhaps Mm. I used to, but I don't know. I think that living true to your values feeds its own energy and makes you happier and feel more connected and more inspired. And it's not work, actually. It's just evolution, maybe. I'm quite old. I mean, I think that this stuff... (laughs) You're not old. I'm a bit old. You know, I think think that you get older, you get wiser. I'm not suggesting that you can't be a wise teenager. I meet loads of them all the time. However, I wasn't that wise as a teenager. And I think that the older you get, the more you understand what matters in life. And for me, a quick fashion fix isn't the thing that matters. What matters in life is to have beautiful friends to feel like you have meaningful work and yes I'd like to be dressed fancily while I do that but I also want to do that in a way that doesn't trash other people's lives
2: and as I said you can go over to Mossman and get dressed oh yeah I can still get the
3: clothes don't you worry
2: (laughs) (laughs) so this leads into my next question how can we be on trend and still be a good
3: steward of our precious the precious resources honestly there are so many ways so first of all i would say don't be feeling guilty about wanting to be on trend if that's your thing and you love fashion and you love current trends and vogues brilliant me too But there are ways to access those clothes that are allowing you to walk more gently on this earth, if you like. And those ways include shop local, support brands that do the right thing, that talk about their ethical credentials. There might be fair trade or they might be using organic materials or they might just be made in Sydney or in Melbourne or wherever it is you live. Um, And rental is another one. So if you just love getting a ritzy new outfit to wear to a party or... um, to go out on news, even wear once or wear to a wedding. Rental's a brilliant way. You can get your hands on all the newest stuff, but instead of leaving that to clutter up your wardrobe, you can send it back when you're done mm. and allow someone else to access it. That also means you can you can get your you can get your hands on better quality stuff. So you can rent a dress you couldn't afford to buy. So that's a way to kind of feel that you're really high fashion and fab without having to break the bank. Um, we talked about thrifting. There's so I honestly, there is nothing you can't buy secondhand. Within the next decade, within the decade according to ThreadUp, which is an American uh secondhand platform, the re commerce or secondhand economy will eclipse fast fashion. So basically everyone's on selling their news, their old stuff, and that's the way of the future. Um Another thing I think, which this isn't about being on trend, but it is one of my hot tips is that I think that coming back to that idea of connection, if we learn some of the skills that our nana's had, sewing and mending, even knitting, whatever you like, (laughs) those things foster connection and remind us about what it takes to make a garment. So I think repair is part of it as well. Make your own take a class actually that is a way to be on trend obviously not everyone can do this and I can't I actually don't have those skills but if you are handy with sewing you can make your own stuff
2: yeah and you can tell your friends that you can sew up a zipper so when they break their favorite skirt you can fix another you can put it and fix it can a be social, fix
3: a hem, or but it's also social. So when we talk about why, what are the drivers of buying a lot of cheap rubbish in your lunch break or on a Saturday morning? Perhaps not your lunch break, but you know, if you want to hang out with your friends and do something social, going to the mall is often something people do. What if we did something else? What if we all got together and mended or sewed or crafted crafternoons I like the idea of that. Yeah. Or if you're not handy, which I'm not, I have to admit, swapping, like get your friends all together and swap the stuff that is languishing in your wardrobe so you get that new thing without having to buy it that's all right isn't it good cheap way to get stuff yeah that's again why we love women against waste because they do all of that in their clothes swap and it's getting super they cool get, now this yeah. is the thing like if you have i don't know if you're young or you have kids um It's becoming like the cool thing. And that is something I think that's important because fashion is often about what's aspirational. So if it's aspirational to buy the runway look, then that's what people want to do. But if we make it aspirational to get together and swap, and I think that is really becoming a thing. Like if you look at Instagram and the kind of purpose-driven content around what ethical fashion or sustainable fashion might look like, then it it becomes this thing. Like it's the hip thing to have a clothes swap. That's more cool than nipping into Zara. Mm. I'm excited I'm I'm hopeful about our future seriously though I could have a clothes swap and not take anything just give all my stuff away and still have too many clothes (laughs) all right why don't you and I have a clothes swap then we should do it (laughs) I actually did one for a book launch in Canberra and it was so fun so as part of the ticket I think we charged $30 and it was like come and have a glass of champagne and bring I think we said bring three things and then we capped it so you couldn't bring everything like bags of junk but bring three things a good quality and then we did a swap it's really fun we did that a couple of years ago. I did that a couple of years ago, um,
2: and but we did al- align ourselves with a really cool charity store. And so everything, every you were allowed to bring as much as you wanted and we took it all to this amazing charity store.
3: And don't you think that stuff empowers you as well? Like I know that's an overused cliched word, but I think it, it- – it is good to think about how do we get our power back from the system that's not sustainable and from the big brands that seem to ignore us and from all the rest of it. One way is to just take control and that's a good way. Mm. You can run your own fashion life. You don't have to just get what it says you should get in the magazine or, I don't know, you could, I like that idea of taking your power back.
2: Yeah, Um, oh, yes, (laughs) 100%, 100% agree. What about shopping detoxes? Or buy nothing months, years, seasons.
3: So I did this. um, I did this this year. I have to say it wasn't difficult for me to do. I did it to prove a point and to be able to talk about it on social media. But for me, because of how where I am in my life right now, not buying new things was not hard for three months. I mean, it would have been better to do it for a year. I think that would have been more of a challenge. To me, there's a slight element of hypocrisy involved in this because I work at a fashion magazine Um, is it really appropriate for me to be like don't buy anything for a whole year probably not I advocate for buying responsibly and supporting good brands not buying nothing but I think that detoxes are actually a really good way of just reminding yourself of what matters and resetting yes and that works and and just if you have these rules around what you're not allowed to buy it reminds it it proves to you where you were lazy or where your habits were what do you think
2: Yeah I did one for February and I know somebody at one of our listeners and somebody in our community has committed at least one person has committed to a whole year of no shopping and it was challenging it again I didn't find it too hard because I was in that season of losing quite a lot of weight so it was quite easy for me to go no no no. I'll wait until I get down to where my for me was the right weight um and I'll buy then but even but even just doing that one month, as I said, even now, it's summer. I need new clothes. I'm not buying new clothes. I haven't bought anything. Um, I've only bought what I needed because my jeans were falling down. And 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 I have changed my outlook. I don't need to go to the high street shops to buy my clothes. I'm like, right, next time I'm in visit- Vinnie's, and I'm in Vinnie's every day when I go to my clients, like I that's where I take all my stuff. But even when I went into Vinny's the other day... Is that like a problem with the job? Do you come out with new stuff when you're taking well, the no. old? Well, <laughs> Well, it could be and it can be, but it's not for me because usually I'm doing it just straight before school drop-off. Mm. So I've got no time to go shopping. That's your tactic. But even when I did have time the other day, I was like, no, because I haven't written myself a list of what I need and I haven't and I don't actually... I know in my head what I need but I wanted to be really conscious consumer about what I needed and in fact this week as a downloadable we're going to provide you with some shopping questions to ask yourself and that can be when you're going clothes shopping or even when you're just out um, doing your grocery shopping or just out of the shops we've got some really good powerful questions to ask yourself so that you can be mindful and you can be a conscious consumer but I have found since doing that and committing to it and I made it public on social media so I had to be held accountable and I found that transformational for me I really I am now very very thoughtful about what I choose to buy and whom I buy it from and that is in part again to your the conversations that you've been having on your podcast
3: it's also and i know that your listeners are very across this but it's habit breaking isn't it yes so for me not buying new clothes for three months so that i can talk about it on social media was a useful device but the hard one for me and i'm in the process of doing it now is not eating meat That's harder. I'm married to a man who really wants to eat steak. We talked about the water footprint of clothes before. Steak is way worse. It's 15,000 litres of water in one kilogram of steak. I know that blew my mind in your Mm. podcast last week. So I'm trying to cut meat out for a period of time to see how hard it is. And it's quite hard. I'm not a vegetarian or haven't been. And so I think it's just about breaking habits. So if you set yourself goals and tell people so they can hold you to account, it's Mm. a good way.
2: We haven't talked about microplastics yet but I know in your podcast you talk about this quite a lot and I was wondering if you can give us some tips. on. Well, firstly, talk a little bit about microplastics um, and how we can
3: affect change in that area. So I'm not sure if people are aware of the problem of microplastics fiber pollution but every time you wash your synthetic clothes thousands and thousands of tiny plastic fibers wash off those clothes into the water system and end up in the ocean um we're only at the beginnings of understanding how this impacts ocean life but also us because remember if you eat fish you're in the food chain so that plastic could be coming back into you from your clothes i think this is really under under this is really um a great unknown for many people they just don't realize most of our clothes are made from polyester polyester is plastic now what can we do about it at the moment there's no regulation. The science is still in its infancy. There's a lot of talk about retrofitting washing machines and certainly um, insisting that new machines are fixed with filters that will basically collect these fibres. That's not happened yet, so what do we do? One solution is to use a guppy bag. That's the brand name of like this bag which you wash your clothes in and then supposedly it captures the fibres. Now, I was talking about this being the great hope recently, until recently, But I just did a panel discussion with a guy called Dr. Mark Brown, who's one of the foremost scientists on this subject, and he said he's not convinced. He said, we haven't tested them. There's no scientific basis for knowing if this really works. The bags are also made from synthetics, so do they not shed themselves? And also the main part, what do people do with the fibres that are collected in the bag? they're going to escape right so at the moment we don't know the answer so my best fix for this is to cut down the amount of synthetics that you use it's not easy um it's not easy however i think when buying new clothes look for natural fibers where possible Mm. and that's really the best thing that we can do at the moment because too many clothes are made from synthetics awesome kind of a dodge answer isn't it it's hard it's a hard one often with these fashion problems they're wicked problems and the answers aren't black and white I just
2: didn't even know about it like it wasn't until I was having a conversation with Becca that I was like what do you mean like I it just had not even entered my consciousness that the plastics in our clothes degrade enough to be washed out in our water and end up in our waterways we and can't end see up, them no we can't we can't, but they have been found in the Mariana Trench. So they're there. We, and like, that's the deepest part of the deepest part of the ocean mm. and plastic fibres have been found there.
3: And, you know, not wanting to freak you out, but we're breathing it in too. Mm. I mean, fibres come from carpets. They come from textiles into the air. They come from tyre, like not fibres, but tiny bits of plastic come off our tyres. Yeah, 83% of water tested globally contains microplastics. So we're already drinking it, eating it, swimming in it it's already polluting our world I don't know it's a huge one we don't know what the impacts are
2: no okay let's land on some hope before we leave (laughs) that was a depressing answer sorry sorry peeps you're in trouble (laughs) so what has been a really
3: hopeful conversation that you've had Oh, well this one's pretty hopeful. Honestly I have hopeful conversations every single day through the work that I do and through meeting all these people that have joined this movement and it is a movement. So I have like DM conversations with friends in inverted commas on Instagram daily hearing about people changing this system every day and it's amazing. So I'm actually really hopeful. Okay you talk about garment workers being treated with no dignity or microfibers this stuff is big and scary and can be very depressing but I'm not depressed I'm actually excited and delighted I think change is already happening all the time and a few years ago none of this stuff has been discussed and now it's a movement and there are so many people that are saying look at these alternatives we could do it differently Thank you so
2: much for bringing knowledge and hope to our listeners. And thank you for the wonderful work that you do do in your podcast. I hope that more of our listeners will be listening to you every Wednesday. Every Wednesday. Every Wednesday. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. So you've got ours on a Monday and then you are Claire's on a Wednesday. They should be your must listens because that will help you to declutter your heart home and heads in all the ways so thank you so much claire for your time and for your graciousness in having us in your home and talking to me Aww, so,
3: thank you so much for having me so fun
2: until next week have a great week bye thanks for joining us if you've learned something awesome today we'd love you to leave us a review on itunes or facebook so others can find our podcast too don't forget you can see the show notes in your podcast app or over at our website, outofdecluttering.com.au. So if there's anything you want more info on, check it out there. If you'd like to join our supporter community, you can do so over at patreon.com slash the Art of Decluttering. We hope you have a great rest of your day
1: and enjoy the freedom.
3: We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and culture.
2: We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging.